Ed Morris is a London-based freelance assistant editor with experience working on TV dramas, short films, trailers and more, currently working as a second assistant editor on a brand new six-part BBC drama. Ed discovered his passion for editing at college while working on a group project in his very first editing experience. His interest remained and he had been developing his editing skills since then when studying film at university and getting proficient in different editing software. The global pandemic hit just when Ed was about to graduate, but he still managed to land a job in a startup where he was responsible for various aspects of production. After that, he worked shortly in a post-production house as a runner until he found his current job where he sees himself developing further. Listen to this episode to hear a detailed introduction to editing, find out what celebrity used to join Ed and his colleagues for lunch and get inspired by Ed's opportunity to travel around the world in his very first job. Enjoy! Hello Ed, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Good feeling, thanks for having me. Can you please, for the beginning, try to introduce yourself? Yeah, so name's Ed, living in London, from London. Currently working as assistant editor in film and TV. That's the career I want to go down. Been doing it for six months in film and TV. And yeah, looking to hopefully continue going forward. Are you working on some exciting projects? Yeah, so working on yeah one right now, six-part drama for the BBC. Where the same creator, uh, Stephen Knight is the show creator. So the same dude that did Peaky Blinders. Well, S- yeah, SCS Rogue Heroes. This is kind of his new venture. I think they've just finished rap, finished production. So yeah, we're now moving into the fine cut stage of it. Yeah, it's been really good, really, really fun. And first kind of major show to be on, so a busy one. So yeah, learning a lot. I can imagine, yeah. Well, let's start with your beginnings. So why did you decide to pursue filmmaking in the first place? So I did sixth form, which was yeah, year 12 and year 13 over here in the UK. And I did media beforehand, but that was kind of a very broad, you know, you do posters and music videos and kind of adverts you can just kind of do a range of things and learn a lot about publication and all that kind of media terminology which, which was fun very practical and then kind of fluffed a bunch of GCSE so couldn't do Vela was what I was predicted to do in college so can I ask you I don't know what is this GCC so kind of like it's like a, and, um, yeah, the exams that you did in year 11 so when you're 16 you do these exams and that basically then determines what's things you can do in college and then from college you go to university so they give you like a prediction of what grades you could get and you kind of outline what things you could do beforehand going into college basically so these GCSEs are supposed to set you up so you know everyone goes on about them and right I mean they're redundant now but whatever but yeah so kind of messed them up a little bit so not got stuck with film but they were kind of like do media it's basically the same thing do you want to just kind of try film and do film and see what it's like? Is that okay, fine. So was out of those types of media still film the one that was the most interesting to you? No, I was more interested in IT and business. I wasn't a film nerd or watched a lot of films with my dad and stuff. It was never like a film buff, film nerd from an early age. But was always more of a practical learner. Struggled a lot with exams and writing and all that kind of stuff. So it was more of a visual practical learner. Yeah. That's why I kind of media and IT and was always a big fan of like gaming and computers and stuff so had that kind of connection I guess but anyway yeah so I took film and hated it for the first two weeks <laughs> really boring it was just yeah it was 
Was it like was at, in, sorry at uni or even before? So this this was at college. Yeah, to yeah. Honest, this is yeah year twelve. So it would have been seventeen, just turned seventeen maybe turning seventeen something like that. And I can't really remember too much of why I didn't like it. I think it just I think because I didn't really want to do it to start off with, and the people in the class were just a bit not my friends, not my type of people. So I was kind of wasn't really into interested in it. And then you get two weeks to drop a subject when you first do A levels. So I was going to drop that, and then. Basically, our teacher was like, it's time to do something practical. So he gave us a little camera and was like, just go shoot the film, basically. Go and just shoot something for 10 minutes at the end of the lesson. Anyway, so we went and got a camera and just started playing around with it and started filming stuff. And then, yeah, then signed edited it. And I was like, oh, this is actually well fun. We signed editing on Final Cut Pro at school. And it was just, yeah, it was really, really fun. And since then, it kind of changed my persona. And since then, I was like, you know what, this is fun. I'm quite good at this. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it's kind of developed it over the course of the next two years while being at college. Was it coincidence that you were editing that film or was everyone editing their own film? Yeah, so you kind of got paired up. So I just got paired with the person sitting next to me. So we both kind of filmed it. And I think he was doing drama as well. So he was bored into acting it. So he was acting in it and I was just behind filming it. And then we both kind of sat down and tried to figure out what the hell Final Cut was and what the hell to do with it. And because it was new, because it was fresh, it was really fun. And again, coming from someone who likes computers and being a visual in that kind of magic there is really interesting so that kind of I guess kicked off where I am now and what would eventually lead down to go to university and study it there and did you since then know that you want to focus on editing yeah since then I was very lot of visions as in that's the, the route because it was holding the camera is incredibly fun you know it's wicked but there was something the stuff that you can do in front of a computer in the editing software is uh, something that really appealed to me and something that I was quite good at so I thought yeah that's the, the route Sounds good. At least you could, throughout those years, keep developing that editing because you already knew what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. And then going to uni, you think, yeah, you've got to try everything. But you know, there's always something in the back of your mind thinking that you get drawn to. And why did you actually decide to study at uni? I mean, could have just developed your editing skills. It's a very good point. It's a very, very good point. Yeah, I didn't really know too much about the film industry. Didn't really know, didn't really know anyone other than the people in my class. Yeah, I really just didn't know how big of an industry it was. or So I kind of wanted to go and learn, you know, just learn a bit more and learn the actual mechanics behind it because a lot of the, the course, well, the, the A-level that was doing at, at college was more film theory and you watch a film, analyse it. It's, you know, it doesn't take you into the industry or it doesn't, you know, open those corridors to make you learn that kind of side of it. I just, again, wanted to go and, yeah, learn a bit more about editing and thought, you know, I could go watch a bunch of YouTube videos and learn myself, but thought it would be better if I was learning from people who, you know, would been in you know, the industry or who were kind of top professionals and, and also to meet other fellow filmmakers, right? You know, that's the, the main thing to you know, meet other people and work on your network. Start from day one. And why did you pick the university you went to? Did you ever go to the, the open day in the end or? Nope, because back then I've never been to London before. So I moved to London to study there. So I've never been okay. to Or maybe I was there like, you know, opening day just to have a look after I studied there. So in that sense, okay. that, but it's different. Well, I turned a look online, just was like, you know, top film schools in London, just because, you know, automatically my brain was, you know, London's the place to be. So I had a look around, and Middlesex, I think, was at the time was top five. I think in the, I don't know if it's in the country or in London. I think it might have been in the country. Or for film, right? Yeah, for film. Yeah, I think I heard it as well from somebody. Uh, yeah, so I think it was, yeah. So maybe even top three. Top three, there you go then. Yeah, clearly it's good at something. So 
I think I was like, okay, let's go, let's go have a look at that. I think other options were like Reading and maybe Bournemouth, but I think I wanted to stay in London. So I think, yeah, so I went and had a look at that, went to the open day. And um, I mean, yeah, it's really modern. It's really new. They'd spent like 80 million pound on the media facilities and the film oh. facilities. So yeah, that, the, the grade was like eight, worth like 80 million pound, I think. So it was, you know, it was new, modern and looked good and the course looked good. I think, yeah, the tour they gave, they took you around all the green screen studio and the motion capture studios and all the yeah the massive TV stage. So also they give you all the works. And it's like it did look really really cool. So you know yeah yeah. The truth is that you know the facilities like in a, what was it called in a grove. Mm. If you look at those mags, the PCs, even the cameras and stuff, it looks really great. So no surprise that if you come there for the opening day, it makes very good impression. Yeah, exactly. They they show you the yeah the bells and whistles and. I still remember when I came for the first time to the editing room and I saw all those mics. I was like, wow, this is <laughs> cool. Yeah, and exactly. I can imagine for the editor, it looks even better. Well, exactly, yes. It was, it was like, like you're in heaven. And then also, I think I managed to not sneak off, but I just had, yeah, just, you know, wandering around, running around the grave. You saw the edit suites, you know, the actual, like, singular edit bays that they had in that corridor. I remember looking in. I think it was probably the first time I'd seen an actual edit suite. And, uh, I couldn't go in there because there's a lot. They weren't giving a tour of that. But it, it looked wicked, you know. I think that's, you know. Yeah. And thinking you know, this is where I will be spending most of my time. Yeah, exactly. You think, you know, spend my time in here then. <laughs> and that's, that'll be worth it. Can you think of some ideas or advice for someone who wants to go to uni or who is at uni? So what to do to, you know, take advantage of that or some tips? Yeah, I guess it depends on what you want to get out of it. If you want to go to you know, if you want to go and study film and really crack on and do well and, and make the most of it, then you have got to just make the most of it and do everything you can and, you know, be as involved and as active as possible and, you know, always be about and make sure you're there on time and make sure you're messaging everyone and, you know, don't be a ghost, don't, don't be a stranger. Because, you know, it does come around to bite you. You know, you're there for three years and if you're doing that to start with, you know, people are going to remember that and you really got to kind of, yeah, these people you're going to be working with, you know, you could be working with them for the next 10 years, you know, you finish uni and these people could be looking to get you jobs or you could be wanting to work with them as soon as you finish because you've got a good relationship and yeah, you've really got to make sure that you're always on it, you know, and always focused. But I didn't say you kind of, you know, you can't relax in chill time because you can equally do that, you know, yeah, for three years, you're not studying seven days a week, so you can afford to go to the pub basically. Yeah, enjoy yourself a bit. Yeah, exactly, because you won't get those three years ever again. That's sort of <laughs> yeah, I'd love to go back there if I could, but you can't, so. And in the third year, when there was a COVID, what actually was your main work instead of final project, since it couldn't be filmed? So, so yeah, luckily us editors, we had, the university had contract with EditStop, which is basically like a, like a short film library. So yeah, they, you know, can get the rights for certain films like only short films and get the footage and all that kind of stuff. So we still managed to edit a short film, but it was just, we had to pick from a list basically of six, six short films. Was it like unedited footage and you had to cut it? So yeah, it's quite a similar, imagine, you know, shoot a short film and you've just got all the raw files, all the sound files, ram files, and you've got a script and a storyboard. They kind of give you those assets and then you create the story and you, you cut the film from there. It was very similar in that respect. It was quite good. So, you know, we had a script, we had a storyboard. And then, yeah, you could go from there, basically. How long was it in the end, short film? Eight minutes. So I did Overtime, which is basically an Australian horror comedy. 
and it's yeah, it's really fun to do actually. And you know, it was quite nice having you know, it was shot really well, and there was a lot of coverage for everything. And I tried to, unfortunately, there obviously you know there is a actual edited version online, right? So oh, that film, yeah, yeah, of that film, you know, the, the proper thing for it. So it was hard to. <laughs> it, it, already, yeah, the only bad side is I watched it beforehand, so I thought, I mean, this is really, really good. And then, you know, as, as I was cutting, it was so easy to go, oh, what did they do there? And trying to go back to it. So I tried to refrain from it as much as possible, but there was a few instances where I was like, I need a bit of inspiration. So going to the source material, was just, it was a little bit of a cop out, but managed to make it, managed to make it my own. <laughs> but is it like, I understand it's not easy, but it's actually a good idea if, if they provide a footage of film that is edited online because then anyone can basically follow it or would yeah, it be too I mean, obvious? Well, exactly. I mean, that is the, I'm not sure if, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if that's, you know, if it's written in the script like that, then of course, you know, there is certain beats you've got to hit, but yeah, if, you know, you could obviously, you could recut it completely differently, you know, see <laughs> things in a different perspective. So you could take it a different angle, but yeah, I think for the, the, the experience I had at the time, but to follow it as much as possible, but not, yeah, I mean, it was different and it looked different. And So what edit was better in the end? You know, they had, you know, they managed to get a color grade on it and stuff and they got a, yeah, I think their uh, composer was a bit better than mine, so. <laughs> but yeah. Probably better paid. Better probably, probably. They, they might have had a bit more time on it as well. No, I understand. I mean, it was, considering the situation, it was difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I, I was really happy with the end product. And I think, you know, unfortunately, well, fortunately for editors, I think they had it a bit easier than, like you say, cinematographers or, yeah, producers who couldn't quite get their work yeah. out there. And what software have you been using during uni? So it was all Premiere Pro. And then in the final year at four, I should learn Avid now because it's about time. But Avid Media Composer is the, the default. Because, I mean, you know, 99% of the time it's the default for film and TV. Yeah, I think I heard it from someone actually. Yeah, yeah, in the UK and in America specifically. So you know, there is the one percent that still cut film and TV on Adobe. You know, Premiere Pro, which is great. But yeah, so I was always using that up until uni, which is great. I think this is a great beginner editing software to use. And then if you can make the jump to Avid, I feel like you should. You know, because it is a great bit of kit. So so learn that in third year, and we're using that the TV show that we're working on now. So it was very handy to have that experience cutting with it before okay. getting into this job. Was Avid available at uni? Yeah, yeah, it was, but they didn't teach it. They offered the course, yeah, 101 and 110 course they offered, but they didn't fundamentally teach it. But luckily, our third year teacher, I think because we all said we would learn it, he kind of brought us a little bit of it, which was good. But the default teacher that they would do was Premiere, yeah. And can you compare those two softwares, a Premiere Pro and Avid? I can, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, depending on the editing software you pick depends on the project that you're working on and depending on what you need it for. So, you know, Premiere is really, really good at doing things quite quickly and it's really good for temp graphics. You know, there's a lot of sound work that you can do and there's a lot of effects and there's a lot of things you have at your disposal to make, especially your temp work, really, really, really good. But what is temp work? So, I mean, depending on, so for instance, in a film and TV perspective, you would do kind of temp work in the offline edit which you then provide and turn over to a sound department, okay. their online department, and they would also do the, the finishing touches. So Premiere is really good at that because you can do a lot of advanced stuff in that software before turning over to, you know, picture or sound, for instance. So you can get some really, really good looking stuff in Premiere. You know, with Avid, you have to kind of transcode everything and you have to work with Avid native codecs. 
which can be quite annoying. And, you know, it's a lot harder to, not harder, but it's just more of a workaround to kind of get your project up and running. Whereas Chrome so, is a very much a drag and drop. Can you say it's easier? It's easier to learn Premiere. I do think it, you know, Premiere is an easier software to learn. And of course, you have really easy access to After Effects as well with Premiere. So you can collaborate between the two of those softwares <laughs> with a click of a button. It is more user-friendly and more beginner-friendly. It kind of holds your hand a little bit as you're working. And does it also differ based on what content you are working on? If, for example, you're doing music videos or YouTube videos, you will use rather Premiere Pro. Whereas for working in the industry as you are, you would go for Avid or it doesn't really matter? I mean, yeah, again, it's all kind of down to the editor's preference. But the majority from what I've seen is film and TV, they kind of stick to Avid Media Composer. And then a lot of video-based work is done, you know, YouTube, Instagram Reels, TikTok, it's a lot of that is done in Premiere. Yeah, but it's all down to the to the editor's preference. So the, the editor of, have you seen everything everywhere all at once? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so the editor, Paul Rogers, he just won an Oscar for his editing on that film. He used Premiere Pro for that. I didn't Yeah, so exactly, exactly. So you wouldn't really know. It's not really... Uh, and his reasoning was that he was very proficient in that software and he thought that, you know, in order to get the best story possible, he wanted to use that to, to serve that story. So, yeah, it's not like say it's all down to that preference, but of course there is a, a more, there is a shift in, in terms of who uses what, so. And what about the, I know there is also DaVinci, right? And Final Cut, those are also quite a big editing softwares. Yeah, yeah, correct. And what, can you say something about those? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, like I say, when I was at school, we use Final Cut Pro and it was great because it's really easy to use. You kind of just drag and drop everything and don't really worry about anything. And I know it's obviously, you know, saying that in hindsight is bad, but when you're, yeah, 16, it's quite, it's a very easy software to learn. And obviously because it's native to Apple, it mm-hmm. runs very, very smoothly, of course, on Apple products. DaVinci Resolve, I get really, really powerful at the moment. And, you know, they just launched a iPad version. So you can actually edit on an iPad, which is mm-hmm. massive, especially on the new, on the new iPads. Yeah. You can do a lot of good work on that. But yeah, DaVinci is great because also that's free. There is obviously a paid version, but the free version is really, really good because you can also, the, the color gradients of, you know, capabilities of that program uh, are huge. So yeah, instead of doing a, a workflow between a, a different editing software, you could just use Resolve to do a kind of an end-to-end product, you know, projects, which is really, really helpful. So I think if you can, you know, and a lot of these different softwares have advantages and disadvantages, you know, so... I feel like if you can use, if you know how to navigate between them, you can use them, you know, just to your advantage. It's hard to say one's better than the other. Of course, people have their preferences and, you know, fundamentally there are certain things which one's better at than the other isn't. But if you can use all of them, then, you know, I think it's going to just benefit you a lot more. Can you use all of them? Not, I mean, to a base level, right? So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I haven't touched Final Cut since, yeah, since school, but, uh, I'd say I'm pretty confident right, working around the other three. Yeah. And is there one you would recommend for beginners to start with? I'd recommend Premiere Pro, yeah. I mean... Is there a free version? I guess not. Or is uh, Yeah, I don't think there is. Unfortunately, yeah, most things nowadays just have subscription rise. I think there might be a free version. I think you know, there's a, definitely a trial. If you use it as a trial, like a seven-day trial. But yeah, I think it's uh, like everything getting a little bit more expensive each month now. Just a quick one. If you enjoy our podcast, please give us a review on your favorite podcast app, subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information, visit the show notes. Thank you and back to the show. 
So, as you mentioned, everything, everywhere, all at once. How did you like the film? I feel like I need to watch it a second time. <laughs> what about you? Actually, I went to the cinema, and it was a few months ago, so before it got such a big hype from Academy Awards. And I think it was amazing. It was a beautiful, funny film. Very well done, you know, considering the budget and the resources they had. I think it was great. Yeah, you take them into consideration. It deserved what it got, you know. Yeah. So how did you start planning your way into the industry? Although, understandably, there was a COVID, but still, how did you go about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that lockdown was, I mean, I don't know about you, you had a great lockdown. <laughs> oh, you had or you didn't have? Yeah, I had a very good lockdown, yeah. I don't know if it's sarcasm or not. No, no, I, we, I was living, yeah, so like say, living with eight friends in the same house. And so we were all living together, you know, it was an eight-man house. And yeah, COVID hit, so it wasn't, everyone stayed where they were. But yeah, I was getting furloughed from, you know, uni job that I was at. So I was, you know, getting paid and it was really, really hot that summer. So we were just sitting in our garden doing nothing but, you know, <laughs> drink, you know, <laughs> having a few drinks for, for a few months. So yeah, it was great. But anyway, yeah, it's because the industry kind of stopped. And my plan, so I wanted to go into a post house and kind of work my way up from there and just to see what it was like, you know, you know, the actual industry, thought that would be the place to be. So I kind of wanted to go in there, you know, when COVID hit, I think they kind of stopped, you know, it wasn't really hiring people because everyone's, you know, went remote. So that option kind of, yeah, dried out a bit, but ended up picking up, yeah, got off of the job, a new video production company. And it was a startup and it was run by two guys who owned another business. So they had like a parent company and they kind of built this video production uh, business on the side. So it was called LNG TV. So they started that. I think I remember when you started there, like a posting that you worked there. As far as I remember, like a good job considering that it was kind of during or after COVID and also for a job after uni. Yeah, so I got it. I think, yes, I started officially in November. So yeah, graduated or fake graduated, you know, in July. And then I think, we just came out of that wave of COVID and then we went back into lockdown again in like December, but I managed to get that job in November. And my role basically was to do everything, you know, production wise. So the two guys that were running it were the producers and, and they were in charge of getting, you know, the business was podcast interviews, social media content for the liquefied natural gas sector, which is a very niche sector. And it's basically energy in a short summary. Yeah, so the idea was they would go and get some guests and some people to interview, and we would interview, honestly, people with multi-billion pound businesses, you know, we would get the CEOs on, you know, the managing directors on, and they would basically, you guys that run it would interview these people, because they was all in a kind of a small, kind of like the film industry, right, it's a very small industry, but everyone knows everyone, well, it's a large industry, but everyone, it's a small industry in, in that respect, it was the same for that, it's a massive industry, but they dealt with a very niche area of that. And our goal was basically bring it into the daylight, right? Modernize it a little bit and inform people what was going on, what was happening, kind of some of the stories that were were happening as well, because it's a very interesting concept. So they take these massive liquefied natural gas ships, right? These massive, literally they're huge. They're like, yeah, honestly, like, I think they're like the second or third largest ships that you build. They're honestly huge and they have, they store this gas, so they liquefy the gas basically and store it and transport it over the world. And that's what, yeah, I'm pretty sure the UK uses it. So I guess it was anyway. also quite educational for you. It was, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it wasn't quite my cup of tea, but you know, I learned a lot about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's for sure. 
But anyway, so yeah, that was the, and we would interview these people basically. And my role was to basically bring it to life from getting the guests to publishing the video. I would do everything production wise in that pipeline. Out of curiosity, why was it focused on this specific niche area? The two guys that run the company, their parent company or their other business was a recruitment firm for that industry. Okay, okay, yeah. Then so, they had a lot of connections already and they were doing a lot of stuff in that industry and they wanted to add something to their kind of existing business, Yeah, which was a, a video company, basically. So yeah, we'd do that for two years. So I would film and edit. We had a small studio in Mill Hill and yeah, we had a, you know, a multi-camera set up studio and we would film and edit you know, five episodes a day, maybe one or two days a week. And yeah, churn them out over the course of, I think we did it for just over a year, which is great. And we'd also, we were the media company, media partner for some conferences. So we went to Dubai, went to Rome, and we kind of did some interviews, Vox Pops there in person, which was great. You know, Matt got to travel, got to see Dubai, which was great. Two minutes that we were kind of walking in and out of the uh, conference there. <laughs> I remember you posting like filming from Dubai. Wow, that's, that looks exciting. It was a jump. Yeah, I mean, it was a very, very busy time. So it was, you know, it was just me doing the work. I'd film and edit basically, you know, at the same time. So we would film during the day when the conference was open from nine to six, we would film. And then they would wanted, you know, same day turnarounds. So I would then edit from, you know, seven till three in the morning, getting all those, you know, we all the people that we interviewed would be editing those during the night to, give to the first thing in the morning so it was that you know three days so it was really it was, it was very very intense but it was you know seeing the country was still you know it was mm. a great opportunity yeah and then we did the same in rome two months later it was a great you know it was, for me it was great you know just our uni just after covid managed to you know learn a lot did you enjoy working there then yeah yeah because yeah, i had a lot of creative freedom you know i built the studio hit it out you know came up with the kind of style of the show and yeah, kind of had a lot of free reign in terms of building it up. And yeah, it was really, yeah, really, really exciting. So in that respect, it was great. You, know? you said they had a studio in Mill Hill, so it wasn't that far away from Hindu, right? Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's why, you know, when I got the, when the, his name was Adam, when he rang me up and offered me the job, he was, one of the reasons was he was like, yeah, we want a kind of a, someone that's local, you know, who's going to, you know, appreciate the space around us and um, work in kind of this small environment. Yeah, all in the master studio was possible, but we did well to make it work, you know. And how did you get? I mean, how did you find and then get the job in the first place as a kind of fresh graduated? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I had a website and was trying to be as active as possible on LinkedIn. If that helps, you know, I think it does. So it was trying to be as active as possible. And anyway, he found my website. He was looking, you know, London. I don't know what he typed in or whatever, but anyway, he stumbled across my website and. You know, had my phone on there, had all my portfolio of work, and he wanted someone who could kind of, yeah, film, edit, you know, do sound work, do a bit of camera, you know, kind of do a bit of end to end sort of project. So that's what he wanted, and that's what I was hired into to do. So yeah, it was from there. He found my website, gave me a call. I think he gave me a call in, he gave me a call in August, but yeah, it didn't actually start till November. So was the company already established, the startup, or was it starting? The start was yeah, started fresh. You know, I came in in November, and I think. New Year's Day, we launched a promo for it. So, yeah, it was very much in the new year. We started it, you know, created a logo. Well, they had it. So, yeah, we created a logo, created, you know, a launch video, a promo, created a new website. And again, kind of similar to what you're doing. We didn't have any guests. So, we kind of launched a promo. And then 
backlogs a few guests and then pumped them all out at the same time. But yeah, we, I think we then actually launched our first podcast in, I think it was March. So yeah, started in November, launched it in January and then got our first podcast online in March because there was a lot of kinks we had to work out between then. Yeah. So you could have been quite important whether it succeeds or fails. Well, that was the, yeah, I mean, that was, there was no pressure, right? And did a lot of research into the podcasting and, you know, shows online and we were very much a video podcast. So it was coming up with a style and a flavor and a, which is going to make it stand out, right? You know, one thing you had to kind of look good because it was such a small, you know, niche topic to try and expand that out to a wider audience. There needs something to kind of capture the eye, right? So we tried to do as much as possible. I mean, it was always innovating and changing things because we was all new to it, right? You know, when it comes to such a niche area, I feel like, uh, you know, I assume that there weren't any podcasts in that area since it's... Well, that, yeah, there wasn't. There wasn't. Hence why I think that's why we managed to go to Dubai and to Rome, because there was no one there who were willing to get, you know, high quality interviews and and content, basically. There was no content for this industry and all the, the stuff, you know, these multi-billion dollar companies, you know, you look at their website and they've just got no content. They've got no presence yeah. in terms of there's no videos on there, you know, anything like that. So... Yeah, we were kind of that gap in the market which we wanted to fill. And we started doing it organically, so we weren't paying for advertisement or we weren't paying for marketing. We were all trying to push the first year. We were just kind of, let's just build it and create a foundation and see how it does and see what we need to do in the next year, you know? How did it go? So yeah, the first year I think went quite well. We had, so yeah, launched in January and then I think by the end of the year, I think we had 70, we had 70 interviews all in all. So yeah, more than one a week, which was good. And... Yeah, like you say, managing to go to two international conferences and capture interviews live was great. So all in all, it was a success. And then, unfortunately, as it come to the second year, their main business, their core business, was starting to you know boom again after COVID. So a lot of effort went into their business, and I started doing a lot of video content and branded content, promos, that kind of thing for their core business, uh, their recruitment firm. So it kind of took a back step from the TV side of it. And then, unfortunately, the TV, you know. The LG TV, which was what I was hired in for, wasn't really picking up because there was only three of us and they were obviously really, really busy doing their own thing. There was a time where, yeah, unfortunately I had to part ways because out of best interest, yeah, it kind of just ran its course. But yeah, it was good fun and I hope that they managed to pick it back up. Yeah, they, you know. I was curious to hear what was kind of the end of it or if it ended or what was the... Yeah, I mean, it's, it just kind of fizzled out a bit. You know, they were... You know, two guys working with had great hearts and they were really, you know, invested in their industry and were really, really good at it because I think they were juggling their core business and then this kind of startup, which they had as well, was struggling to, you know, it needed investment in it, you know, it needed money into it to make it boom how they wanted it to boom. And they weren't ready to invest that money into it, basically, I think, and invest that time. It kind of needs to be a, it was a full-time job, you know, and yeah, unfortunately that suffered for it, but. I also wonder, because I don't know what is the audience of this specific area, but wasn't it kind of risky that there will not be enough of audience? Or at least from what I know, well, it sounds, yeah. there may not be not that many people. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's a niche industry, but people in that industry, there's vast amounts of people in it. You know, so these companies all over the world, that's the thing, it's a global, it is a global audience. It's just reaching that audience. And I think that's the one thing that we... The audience was there. We just weren't reaching them. And I think because we were doing it organically, it obviously didn't help. But, you know, yeah, they, they were there to be reached. You know, the audience was there to, to be gained. 
it was just kind of a matter of time and yeah i mean a matter of time and a matter of determination and, and a matter of money i guess and you would eventually get there yeah that honestly sounds like a good definitely good first job after really from yeah 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 i mean yeah i mean setting up the studio and there was a lot of things to think about and then traveling with you know we technically had our studio made that into a mobile studio to take onto a plane doing all that by yourself it was uh challenging and you know you have to think about a lot of things and work out a lot of things yeah but that's what it's all about and i was glad to learn a lot of things and, and i did you know and how did you find editing as you said under the pressure that it needs to be done in a few hours well that yeah luckily i mean when we went away yeah when we was at these conferences it was a case of luckily beforehand kind of created a template you know beforehand created a project build it with music sound effects and graphics and create a base layout of what our edit would be beforehand so that when we got there we could kind of just literally cut it all together create a lot you know make sure the cameras were all set up as they should be and then it was a case of just we shot them with cameras so it was a case of you know as soon as we brought it in make a few quick cuts tidying up a little bit and and it was good to go and looking at it afterwards could you notice or probably not you but like a regular person noticed that it was done quickly or not really was it still i mean i think because it was yeah but yeah yeah i mean it was, did kind of make sure as do as much quality checking as possible given the time restraints and i think you know there is obviously a few kinks yeah i think as days went on i think obviously by the second and third day we'd yeah there's a lot of things that were a lot better you know we obviously had a few sound issues i think on day one because where we was yeah there's a lot of interference and there was you know mics were playing up and all that kind of jazz and you know there's always always want to tweak lighting and all that kind of thing but yeah i think you know looking back on it i think i, I was happy with the outcome i think we did 15 interviews There was this great both for video and audio right yeah 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 so it's basically just kind of like uh yeah we had a host two chairs host it on one side guest it on the other side and they yeah, had three cameras all rolling at the same time and then had an audio mixer so yeah we're doing it all kind of live and did it go to youtube or website or where yeah so yeah it was it was a youtube audience and then from that then when we came back to the uk we would then create you know out of these they range between five and 15 minutes depending on the guests that we had we would then obviously slice those up and release social media bites and little snapshots and um so just to use over the course of the next few weeks yeah it was intense and but it's good fun and I, there's always i would do a lot of things differently you know i think going back out there or if i was to be hired again you know probably do things a little bit differently but again you don't know those things until you've gone away and learn a bit more and then you come back and you know all that kind of stuff but you know i'm glad i left it where i left it in a good place i think oh yeah that was good So what was the next job? One of the reasons I did leave was because I wanted to get back into film and TV. You go to uni. Well, yeah, I went to uni for to be in that industry, to be in the film and TV industry. So, yeah, I wanted to get back into it and got an offer from the farm. Just to start running, you know, was like, I just need to get in there one way or another. So I went in as a runner for the farm. For the farm, it's post-production? Yeah, so it's now called Picture Shop, but it was originally the farm. The farm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's now called Picture Shop, but... I think they're still in a quite a big transition period. So I think the farm, people are still recognizing it as that at the moment until they kind of get a bit more, eventually dies down. But so anyway, yeah, I went and joined that and yeah, had a wicked, was it for three months in the end? Yeah, three months running. Um, but yeah, it was like over the summer, so August to October. But yeah, it was great fun, learned a lot, but quickly realized that it was, you know, place houses are great. I think if you want to be an offline editor, you're going to struggle a lot to work your way up the ladder there so it was a case of okay i've learned what i need to learn 
you know, navigated a bit of how the industry works now and what roles are which and, you know, who's talking to who and which projects are being worked on in these areas and, you know, what kind of stuff's coming in and out. So because I was like, okay, fine, this sounds good. But yeah, my mate actually, you know, messaged me, reached out and said, hey, we're looking for a, an assistant editor for this new BBC drama. Do you want to have it in CV? You know, I'll try and get you on it. So um, yeah, did that, got the job and now that's where we are now. So oh, well, yeah, so left the farm in October and then started this role. Yeah, shortly after. We're coming back to networking and making good corrections at the early, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he was from uni. He was the year above. Yeah, reached out and he was like, yeah, you know, I'll give you an opportunity if you... And how did you get the job in that picture of? Yeah, just CVs. I think I just kept hailing them my CV and eventually they uh, got back and was like, yeah, do you want an interview? So we did a group interview and then a one-to-one interview. Yeah, I was really excited to start working there, to be fair, because... I'd left me in my old job with nothing lined up, just kind of thought, I need to, yeah, get out and do it. So left and then was applying everywhere. And yeah, luckily the farm came back relatively quickly and yeah, had two interviews yeah, and then started. And how big is the competition like there to get into such a post-production role? So there's eight people in my group interview and I think they had three group interviews on that day mm-hmm. uh, and they were hiring three people. So... You know, and this this was for a runner, so it's very, very demanding. But as soon as you're in, you're in. But how it then did work is over the course of then the next three months, I remember some of the people that were in that interview were getting called back because people come and go in post-production houses all the time. People are always joining and leaving and other people are leaving and get promoted. So they're always kind of recruiting and always hiring. So over the next three months, I kind of recognized some people in those interviews that were then, that then started, you know, after me. So yeah. if you make a good impression, it's, but maybe if it doesn't happen first time, then I'm sure, you know, they'll keep you on record and remember you for a future date. And what about some tips when it comes to CV or letter or application in general? I think you should pay a lot of attention to the place you're applying for, especially in a post-production house. I think because they work on very specific things. So the farm is very much unscripted with the odd scripted thing and the odd documentary, but it's mainly unscripted TV. Uh, They do a lot of sound work there as well. So... If you want to work for the farm or now picture shop, if you want to work for picture shop or most projects, or you want to get into being a post producer or you want to get into sound, then you should really tailor your CV towards that. You can obviously make a generic one if you want to just go and get some experience. But I think if you want to go work at those post houses, you should really tailor it to their, you know, to what they're looking for because they do look for certain things because they are working on different shows and different genres. Yeah. And when it comes to interview? Did it meet your expectations for interview or was it? Yeah, the, the group interview was this classic group interview, you know, everyone on Zoom, everyone obviously making and trying to make an impression. And Oh, so it wasn't in, in person? Then, yeah, the group one was over Zoom and then there was one in person. You know, it's every group interview ever, right? Everyone's trying to, you know, get their voice heard and make an impression, which, you know, and it's unfortunate you can't all, you can't be yourself as much because I think you're know, over Zoom and you've got to wait your turn to speak and all this stuff. But the in-person one, just be yourself, be friendly, be bubbly. These people were normal people, right? They're creators. They're not going to, you know, they're not in a suit. You know, they're not going to ask you to come in in a suit, you know, all those kind of things. You've got to be just relaxed, chilled and, yeah, friendly and, and make sure that you can kind of hold a conversation with them because ultimately I think that's what they're there for. They want you to be able to, you know, be bubbly, be friendly and keep a conversation going. They, you know, you want to be able to be able to stand in the same room as this person more than five minutes. So I think ultimately you've got to just be just be a genuine good person, you know. Don't try and 
trial is that you don't overwork yourself to, to the point where you start to crumble or break down or yeah be something you're not because you leave and you'll be like oh why did i do that this <laughs> yeah. these people just they're just normal people they're just looking mm-hmm. for a conversation to have with you and there was no kind of deeming pressure on it so i think you should go into it and can you introduce a bit the role of uh, post-production or other like what are the activities responsibilities you are just there to service any clients that you've got in your building so at the farm we had four buildings i was situated in the newman building which is the kind of the flagship there's six stories so it's kind of just to service the clients that you've got in those buildings so being on call to take requests keeping everything tidy clean restocked carrying out any orders that they want you know you know you're obviously not there to service the the editors or the producers that are there you're there to service the post-production house if that makes sense so where if you're working on me production itself then you're obviously you're there to service the crew or you know the production but we're here to service kind of the client service team and to make sure that the building is operating as, as should be you know so you need yeah. to represent the company you're representing the company yeah yeah, yeah. but of course that you know there's, there's still you know it involves obviously going and speaking to editors and you know taking lunch orders asking what they want and keep making sure that they're happy because if they're happy then the business is happy so yeah that's the motto and where is the office in london out of curiosity so it's down newman street so just off tottenham court road so like literally yeah. central oxford street yeah where the new elizabeth line has been built that the road opposite that sounds yeah. like a good they've got a, yeah they've got a few so they've got that one there newman street and then they then i got moved to uncle which is down Livonia street which is again just off the street but the other side that makes sense in that building actually they had a it was called the fast building because they would work on um fast turnaround shows so things that needs to be edited in 24 hours they would come yeah really, really quickly they come and, and do that but um yeah michael mcintyre came in now and again oh, was it's it? quite cool michael mcintyre the comedian oh, uh, i don't know who it is uh he's quite uh he's done a few things on live apollo and he's got a couple of new shows out why was he there he got yeah he's got a production company yeah he's a production company now i believe so he had a few shows in the mix and uh he was just coming and yeah he would oversee him now and again come get some lunch so yeah discuss certain things with him so saw him now and again that was all right that's cool and you said or like what is as you said before if you start as a runner like this the career progression doesn't lead to editor so if you want to be an offline you know story editor not as much it'd be very very hard you can it's not impossible just it's very very hard it's more situated i think for if you want to be an online editor colorist post producer or you know audio re-recording mixer you know if you want to be in the sound department then that is great for you you know yeah and since that's not what you wanted you decided to live by yourself pretty much yeah when the opportunity came in i thought this is a great opportunity to now work on a project in the area that i want to go into and then start getting credits because again if you work in a post even if you're you know an edit assistant in a post house you're not getting credits you know you're not working directly on the project so it's hard to build up that portfolio so yeah now i've got the opportunity to work you know self-employed so now we are self-employed yeah now i'll be self-employed so i'm on this job until october when my contract runs out then but i have to look for the next thing hopefully that's uh <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it but yeah you know obviously i'll get credit after the end of this which is good and i hope you can use that to get the next one so then are you planning to stay freelance and get the next job or do you want to get employed for the company and editor somewhere else yeah i think I'd, r- i'd rather stay moving from project to project i'm really happy and i'm really enjoying being an assistant editor at the moment and you know i'd like to do that for a little bit longer 
and you know maybe start assembling some things later on down the line but yeah kind of would like to really crack this you know assistant role and get a lot of technical skills under my belt before kind of uh, I make the jump but that is also the end goal but yeah I think I'm project to project based suits me a lot better I think and when did you start on this project started mid-November oh so it's like a year yeah which is quite unheard of to be fair yeah especially as a second assistant the first assistant I'm working with he'll be on it until a bit longer but yeah it's quite a long time which is really really lucky my contract was only until April when they started Mm -hmm. filming but they decided to extend me which has been great so it's been a good you haven't had to worry about finding the next thing you know yeah yeah, yeah. i agree well ed before opening any other topics (laughs) i would finish for today and agree to do part two sometime in the future if you are up for it yeah give me another year let you know where i'm at (laughs) no i mean because we didn't really discuss your current job and more about the editing and i also wanted to ask you because i know that you do some drone filming and stuff like that so i was curious yeah. about it as well uh, okay fair i would finish and sometime i don't know when but we can agree on a part two uh in the future if we're up for it yeah sounds good sounds good look forward to it okay so at let's finish it for today we'll do a second part in the future so thank you and good luck in the meantime cheers thomas appreciate it mate take care Thank you for listening to Produced By. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app, leave a review or send us your feedback. For more information about the host, links from the episode and ways to connect with us, visit the show notes. If you know someone who would be an ideal guest for our podcast, please get in touch. Thank you and see you soon.